the guys were here earlier. I like the brick in this building. Mm -hmm. It's pretty. Did you see the prison bars out front? Yeah, well, yes. She gave me a virtual tour before. Yeah. Because one time she was in there, and I was like, okay, I know you say it's nice, but it seems like you are kidnapped. <laughs> 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 well, I told her on a Teams meeting, it's great as a background. You can go, hey, if the warden comes by, pretend like you're lecturing me. <laughs> yes. I was like, that's funny. Hey, can you hear us okay? They must not have us on. show featuring MVT and I am Camille Gaines. I am your host today and I'm the CEO of Rig on Wheels Voker and Recruitment Services where we specialize in third-party truck driving recruiting and I have here the VP at uh, MVT. So you're the VP of recruiting, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so Robert, tell us a little bit about you. Well, first off, excited to be here with you. Uh, Rig on Wheels has been a good partner with us for quite some time now at this point. So excited to talk to you guys and uh, a lot to talk about today. Yes. Uh, we can talk uh, Mesilla Valley transportation, our history, all that we offer, and getting a few other things along the way. Yeah, we're going to definitely dive into that. This is the first ever truck driving recruiting show, so we are very excited and very excited to have you. You know, yeah. like you said, great partners and everything. Um, so some of the things we're going to definitely get in and talk about um, is going to be the exciting stuff. We're definitely going to talk about the car giveaway that yep. you all do quarterly, the VIP lanes. And we do want to start off with the history yeah. and um, going through, you know, everything. Um, so tell us, give us some of the history, yeah. background. Um, we've been in business since, uh, I believe this is year number 41 for us. Mm -hmm. So we just got out of that 40 year anniversary. Uh, the best way to describe our history is going to be innovation. Uh, we are not a company that uh, stands still between uh, being an industry leader with fuel economy, having uh, engineered lanes that quite frankly are unique to this industry. We can compete with any um, irregular route carrier or a dedicated carrier. That's something unique to MVP. Uh, over the years, it's been uh, huge advancements in our equipment. Um, and really, we've been driver-focused the entire way. Our, our founder, Royal Jones, he is a driver. He started essentially five trucks uh, working 16, 18-hour days out of a trailer, uh, which uh, he viewed as time off compared to his previous life as a driver. <laughs> um, it's a family business. Uh, Jackie Jones and Holly Jones are actively in the business, mm -hmm. Royal Kids. Um, and so it's a family atmosphere, and no matter how large we get, it is a family-based company. Um, and so that 41 years is filled with innovation and a close-knit collaborative work environment. Love it, love it. Okay, so tell us how long have you been at uh, MVP? Yeah, I joined in May of 21. Um, I've been in this industry since January of 06. Um, my first time ever getting in a truck was in uh, July of 1985. Um, and I was excited to join Mesilla Valley Transportation. And so I looked at it as an as a opportunity to, quite frankly, work with some really smart people, and I've not been proven wrong on that. Okay, so where do you see it? I know you joined about a year and a half ago. So what is your vision? Where do you see it? Um, I think our big part here continues to be what the 41-year history was built on. It's not standing still. Um, mm -hmm. If in the world of business, and be it trucking or any type of business, if you're not moving forward, the business is going to fail. It may be profitable and may hang around, but every business, just like everybody's life, has to have purpose. So our purpose really comes down to providing 
drivers, a consistent schedule, and an environment that literally when you go see your fleet manager or the guard shack attendant, you feel like it's your coworker. We're going to dive into that schedule later on. Yeah, oh, Definitely, we we're going to go to our first commercial here. And when we get back, we'll start diving in. Good deal. Okay, so I know I want to talk about this, this car giveaway, because that's a bit different, right? Yes. But um, I do want to talk about things that set uh, MVT apart from other carriers. But definitely, so let's talk about the car giveaway. Yeah. Um, so there's two ways in this industry you can save money. Once you've bought the equipment, once you've bought everything else, you can either try and save money by driver's pay being low, mm -hmm. which we are not going to do. <laughs> So the other thing that you can do is really get it in fuel economy savings, saving on fuel. That is the biggest expense where, as a company, you can save money. And ultimately, it's why over the last 18 months, we had 18 different pay increases that we gave yeah. the driver. That came in the form of fuel savings. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing we do to save, uh, save money. So in this industry, the average fleet runs at about 6.5 miles a gallon. That's considered good. It depends which niche of the industry you're in. We average generally about nine to nine and a half miles a gallon. Uh, part, the biggest factor in that mm -hmm. comes down to a driver's driving behavior. Okay. Uh, by far, you know, and we look at everything in very granular detail, but a driver's ability to manage how they operate that truck ultimately brings in the most savings, and we want to reward that. So every quarter, whoever gets the best fuel economy gets a brand new car. Um, last quarter, we gave it to a gentleman named Robert Sandoval, been with the company uh, a long time, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet and a true professional on the road. Um, and then additionally, over the course of a year, um, whoever leads for the year gets a $25,000 bonus. Uh, our drivers are very competitive about it. And it, it, it's very manageable, though, and it's not what division you go into, and it's not based off of weather circumstances. It is definitely about dr driver behavior. So it's pre-planning and knowing when you're going to go on your, on your trip and understanding when there's traffic issues or mm -hmm. weather issues and just being cognizant of that. The other part of the equation is, is how many times you stop the truck. Just like when we drive a car, um, if you are constantly stopping every 30 minutes, that deceleration and acceleration eats that fuel economy quickly. Um, and it's something our fleet managers work with our drivers on. So if a driver is not necessarily in that top 10% of drivers in terms of fuel economy, uh, the fleet manager and the safety department and a number of other people are willing to help that person reach that goal because we, we all win in that situation. I'm glad you said that because it's a lot of carriers that will say we give fuel bonuses, but they're not really doing anything to help yeah. the fuel bonus. And it, it sometimes can be unfair to the driver, Yep. right? Yeah, we, we track it very closely, not just between the driver, but w as well as the truck. So if mm -hmm. a driver comes and says, I'm doing all these steps and it's not making a difference, we'll look at the truck and we'll switch out trucks. Um, it gets into a relationship that we have with Penske for the trucks. Mm -hmm. All that stuff is managed very closely. And the advantage for the driver is, look, you can have 100 brand new trucks come off the line. And in that 100 new trucks, there's going to be a lemon. Uh, everyone's susceptible to it. The question is, is when the company gets a lemon, do they adapt and adjust and get rid of the lemon absolutely. so that you can be successful? Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I was about to say, because MVT's equipment is really nice. Yeah, the blue beat. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about the equipment. Yeah. So we uh, we work with a company uh, called Penske. Penske has all of our internationals. They're generally going to be three years or newer. The average age of the, tr age of the truck is about 1.5 years, mm -hmm. which considering we're not a traditional 48-state carrier, we're more, more of a regional player, is a very good age on the truck because normally you're going to see trucks from a regional carrier of about three to four years old, so there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, through Penske, Penske will manage the maintenance on the truck um, if you're going down the road and you run into an issue, Penske will come to you and fix it. They have contractual obligations to get that truck fixed. And so you have a partner on the road above and beyond just MVT. Penske has a fiduciary interest in your success on the road. <laughs> yes. 
because they don't want to have to keep coming out there servicing their costly. trucks and then of course it messes up the partnership yep. that's for sure so when it comes to what what else i guess i should say that sets you apart um I, i'm going to say it's our engineered lanes okay so Everybody wants to make money, and that's important, and I don't discount that. But the other part that we found, most drivers want a schedule. They want to know when they can predictably expect to be home. And in that schedule, they want some predictability of their pay. That's where the engineered lane part comes into play, and that's a big deal for a lot of drivers. Of, It's not necessarily always a Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, but that predictability of, hey, honey, in three days, I'm going to be home. Knowing that's an advantageous thing for a driver because they get to have a life outside the truck. And so those engineered lanes really, quite frankly, are more competitive than a dedicated account. With dedicated, yeah. if you don't like the customer that you're working for, <laughs> that's the job. Um, where if you're on a division that has 18 different customers and you don't like the customer, we want to know why. But with that said, you also have 17 other customers, so you have consistency, you have great equipment, you know when you're getting home, and you're going to like the customers that we have as well because we've been with them for decades at this point. And that'll definitely help with driver retention. It does. Okay. It makes a significant difference. Yes, because that is the one complaint is about home time. Not pay when it comes to drivers. It's home time. Yep. They want to know when can they get home. They want some type of work-life balance and everything. So most definitely. So when we come back, we're going to talk a, a little bit about things that I help a driver stay in the industry, um, going to a book, and then we'll get into the different lanes that awesome. MVT has. Lo que me gusta de MVT es que tiene buenos viajes, buenos camiones y, y muy buenas millas. Mi comunicación con, con el despacho es muy buena y todo eso, y siempre están la orden del día. ¿Qué pienso del, del equipo de los camiones? Pues que están muy bien y les dan sus mantenimientos, sus PO y todo lo demás, alineación y balanceo, todo cambio de llantas y excelente, excelente servicio. La compañía cada trimestre este, regala un auto para los operadores. Me motiva pues, a, a crecer más como persona y pues, para dar el, el 100, como dicen, para la compañía. Let's talk, I wrote a book, um, and it's Financial Freedom for Truck Drivers, okay? Because one of the largest things that I noticed over the last 13 years is when drivers are on the road, whether they're regional or over the road, it's about maintaining a budget. That is probably one of the issues of why drivers leave the industry, is not knowing how to work a weekly paycheck and live on the road. Yeah. Okay, so you definitely have to be cognizant of the fact that you are having to pay bills at home, having to pay bills on the road. So definitely, I want you all to check that book out because it'll help you with knowing how to budget as a driver, what to do with your money, just give you a little advice. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Now, when we talk about home time, lanes, all of that type of stuff, right? Let's talk about the what we call the VIP lanes. Yeah. Okay, so which one you want to talk about first? Well, let's go with the, the division that we call Division 110. Mm -hmm. um, and th this gets into some internal speak of what we call each division. But essentially, if you live in a place like Albuquerque, DFW, mm -hmm. El Paso, um, what it's going to have you do is primarily run the southern U.S., uh, you're going to run as far east as Nashville or Atlanta and coming all the way back to California and everything in between, but you're going to be on very set lanes when you do that run. Uh, and it gets into a very important part that you brought up with budgeting. The nice thing when you do these lanes over and over again, you also figure out where deals are. Um, our, our trucks are set up so that somebody could budget. So on that lane, you're going to get home every week. You're going to be, instead of a regional truck with a 56-inch sleeper berth, you're going to have a 71-inch sleeper berth. In that truck, you're going to have cables all set up and plugs all set up so mm -hmm. you can bring your refrigerator with you. Go ahead and bring some food with you instead of eating at the truck stop constantly. 
but you're also going to have consistent pay. So that run's going to have somebody at about 16 to 17.50 a week, week in and week out. That's a big part of that. And so again, if you're in Albuquerque or DFW or El Paso, you're running very attractive running lanes. You're dealing on that account with about uh, on that lane with about 12, 15 customers that you're going to see pretty routinely. Um, it is a very consistent, beautiful length of haul, uh, very scenic, and from a fuel economy standpoint, getting into that MPG bonus, <laughs> it's also one of those lanes that you're more prone to hit that on as well. And I want to let you guys know, drivers really like that lane because it is a scenic route, so they are able to see things. You know when you're going to get home, and then your pay is pretty generous. Yep. Uh, so you're talking about over $1,600 a week. You have a great opportunity to win the car. Yep. Um, when we're talking about uh, giving away the car on a regional basis. But the biggest thing, you know when you're going to get home. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and, and we, I, I think it's important to mention, we try to pre-plan about two to three days in advance. Mm -hmm. um, and this is why being on time for our drivers is so important mm -hmm. because when you're not on time, technically impacts the next three loads. But the advantage of that is you're going to know when that home time's coming. So if you're on time for this load, this load, and this load, your next movement's to home and you know when that sprint's coming. So if you have a significant other at home that, hey, we have <laughs> yeah. the anniversary planned or Timmy's birthday party, you can confidently say, I'm going to be there for that. And how often would you say the drivers don't? Like, because it's trucking. Yeah. Anything can happen, right? Yeah. I always say the giraffe can fall out the moon. I say all type of crazy stuff because yeah. it's trucking. How often do you see that not happen? Not, not often, but there's three things that would make that take place. Okay. Uh, the first one's on the driver's end, being on time. If okay. for whatever reason you don't start on time or pick up that load on time, there's that domino effect mm -hmm. that takes place. Uh, second part's always going to be weather, and we don't want you to drive in unpredictable conditions. So if you're in gale force winds or on 110, you're not going to see snow very often. Again, why it's attractive. But with that said, uh, weather can definitely impact. And that's going to happen two, three times a year. Even in that running lane, you're going to get impacted two to three times a year by weather. Uh, the other factor on that, and that again goes into the relationship we have with Penske, comes down to equipment. With the best truck, something could potentially happen. That's where Penske also acts in, as an insurance plan for us. They have to get to you quickly. Again, it's very expensive for them if they don't. Um, and so those three factors will impact that. So over the course of a 12-month period, that realistically may be five to six times. Half of those are on the driver's end and can be controlled mm -hmm. on their end. The other half are on our end, excluding the weather, and we're going to do everything we can to control that. Perfect. Let's talk about the other VIP yeah. lane. Uh, we have Division 400, and this is a favorite for a lot of our folks that live out of the Nashville mm -hmm. market. Uh, when I say go to the Northeast, we do not go to New York City. We will never. If you see one of our trucks in the five boroughs, it's been stolen. Call the cops. Um, <laughs> with that said, our version of the Northeast is we may go place someplace up north like Ithaca, New York, mm -hmm. or or Rochester, or uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, or something like that. So we're taking freight out of uh, places like Memphis, Nashville, and going to the Northeast, our version of the Northeast. Mm -hmm. We cut out New England, and we come right back on that then. That's a job where a driver can expect to see 90 thousand dollars a year. Again, with all of our lanes, it's all no touch. There's no endorsements needed, so there's no hazmat endorsements, no doubles, no triples. Um, you're not a lumper. You are a professional driver. What you do behind that wheel and interacting with our customer is your value proposition to us. So we're not going to ask you to do anything outside that. And when you go up into that part of the country, uh, these are customers we have a long-standing relationship. They're excited to see an MVT truck pull into their yard. Yeah. Um, and so at about $90,000 a year, there's also some bonuses. So if you ever work on the weekends, mm -hmm. you'll see some kickers there, as well as a safety and production bonus of about five cents a mile that gets added onto that. So it's very profitable from a driver's standpoint, especially if they execute well. I want to double back to this 90000 So we all know that nowadays drivers are not making $90,000 a year, okay? So the fact that this lane, that is what they're bringing in, mm -hmm. tell me about when they're not bringing that. What happens? Yeah, generally if that doesn't happen, there, there's a couple contributing factors. Um, we want to get you home often. You're normally going to be home for a full 48 hours. 
when someone starts going into that 72-hour range where they can't leave the house and that's a repeat offense, that hinders a lot of drivers. You okay. see a lot of drivers mm -hmm. in this industry get into lease purchase. And the first time I ever hear a driver say lease purchase and go, now I can control my own home time. Mm -hmm. I shudder a little bit. It's, there are exceptions, and I've met those exceptions. <laughs> but this is about moving freight. You've got to move freight. And so if you uh, get into this industry and all you can think about is being at home, this industry is going to be very hard to make right. it. Be it with Mathia Valley Transportation or with XYZ Trucking, you're going to have a hard time making it in this industry. The second part of that equation is of the million things you can do in trucking, if your list of the things you're willing to do is four, you're not going to make a lot of money in this industry. So if you go, well, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, you start running out of things that you're able to do. Absolutely. Um, and so that's where we work collaboratively together on this for your success. Um, and it gets down to having a very honest conversation with your recruiter. And, and you know this uh, on rig mm -hmm. on wheels portion of this is have that initial conversation be very honest. If there's certain things that are a big deal to you, say it on that very first conversation. Absolutely. Don't wait till you get to a driver, uh, driver orientation to have that conversation or two weeks into the job. Yes, Have absolutely. that conversation with the recruiter at the very beginning so that we can look at that stuff. Often there's been, over the course of my time in this industry, there's been a number of times where I've had a conversation with a driver and go, we're not the right fit for you. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but let me look at some other options for you because at the end of the day, I want to help who I'm talking to. It may not be with MVP and it may be uh, passing the lead on to you and going, do you have somebody for them? Or it may be going, you know, I think you're looking for local and I don't have local. It's having that honest conversation in the very first phone call that you have. I agree with that. And when we come back, we're going to really dive into that because as a recruiter, that's definitely something I want to horn in on. Yep. You know, Pearson, you said something, and as a recruiter, I like to acknowledge this because a lot of times we want to blame the trucking company all the time. We just, the trucking company is the reason why this is happening, or the carrier, the fleet, the, all of that. However, the truth is, it's about communication. Yep. If we just know how to communicate, right? So, coming from a trucking family, been doing this for 13 years, all of that good stuff. The drivers that tend to have a better experience are the ones that communicate the best on the first phone call. Yep. Being totally honest, letting us know what is going on, what it is you want. Now, to be honest with you, if you're a driver that expects to get home between this time and this time, all the time, a nine to five, that's not trucking, it's not for you. Yeah. Period. So if you're a new driver, I say that, this isn't for you. If you're a seasoned driver, your time might be up and it's time for you to do something else. Or if you're still in between, be very realistic when you come into this industry because for none of us, even behind the desk, it's not a nine to five at all. Yep. You know, I ask my kids, I'm up at two in the morning, working almost every day. Yeah. So we want the drivers to have the best experience when they come to MVP. That's very important. I'm really big on not only keeping the drivers at the trucking company, but keeping them in the industry. So yep. supporting them as best as possible. So with the lanes, can you think of any lane that's in your head that would probably support a driver 
that needs to get home more than weekly. We have a division that's sometimes open, and I say this because we're very careful not to overhire for specific divisions. Mm -hmm. We have a division where essentially you'd be home half the year. Um, it's, uh, we call it Division 300. If you live out of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Albuquerque, you're essentially gonna run the lane, do that loop, you're gonna go Dallas, Fort Worth, Denver, Albuquerque, El Paso, up to Denver again. And when you get there, you're gonna step out of the truck, someone else is gonna get into the truck, and you're gonna go on. So you're gonna be on the road for three and a half days to four days, off the road for three and a half to four days. The caveat to that is there's also a sacrifice in that. The home time's great, you are going to be home, and each loop's gonna pay you about $1,260. It will limit what you can make, mm -hmm. but that's the other thing, is a lot of drivers go, you know, that ability to only work half the year is very valuable. And so it's that trade-off, and just like anything in trucking, there's trade-offs. Um, there's certain jobs in the world of trucking where you could be an owner-operator making $400,000 a year, you have to ask yourself, what do I need to do to do that? Well, right. I'm gonna have to buy a truck that's $160,000. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get most likely a schnabel or a blade trailer that's about $300,000. Mm -hmm. So yes, you can make that. Um, you, can move, you can move household furniture and physically unload houses and, and you can make $300,000 a year doing that while your back holds up. Um, on the flip side of it, you may go, you know what? Being home and family is more important. Both those people have very unique wants and needs, but it's that honest discussion of, do I want this, or do I want this, or do I want something in between? And so that's where that conversation with the recruiter comes into it, and, and an honest discussion of, what do I want for my career? And it's okay to have that honest discussion. Um, I have family members that have been trucking. I had a grandfather that had been in trucking for 50 plus years. Mm -hmm. I had a couple uncles that got into trucking. All three of them wanted something different out of their career, and so it came into that discussion of what they wanted to do. So in our particular world, if it's home time and that's the biggest thing and I wanna be home as often as I possibly can, but I still need to make some money, 300's a great division. Uh, there's other folks that I have a division, uh, like if you live out of Phoenix right now, called 220, where you could make over $100,000 a year as a company driver and never touch any freight with no mm -hmm. endorsements. Caveat to that is you gotta run the mountains. You're running the Western 11 states, um, and it takes a lot of patience. It takes dealing with much more weather than the 110 we talked yes. about. And so it comes into that conversation, what do I want out of my career? Now that's the part that gets me excited at, at MVT. I really have a lot of different opportunities. Yes. We have some that theoretically wanna work only half the year. We have others that, you know what, give me the hardest job. I, I like the idea of making six figures and not having to handle freight. Um, and that gets into that conversation with the recruiter. And normally in a situation like that, one of the things that the recruiter's normally gonna do is tell me about you. And they're, they're not asking, you know, do you like to walk on the beach and have candlelit <laughs> dinners? They're really saying, what are your goals? What are your objectives here? And if you have that honest conversation of, I like doing this, I don't like doing that as much, but if it pays well, I'll look for it. That recruiter generally, if that recruiter's honest with you, is gonna guide you through that process. Yeah, definitely. And even though the one that you were talking about where it's three and a half on, three and a half mm -hmm. off, other carriers, and I say this because we recruit for over 50 yep. carriers. So generally when you have a driver that's home that often, they're not making over 1200. The rest of the conversation is very much like you said, it is gonna limit your pay, you're gonna be able to get home, you'll be home half of the year. Yep. It's, uh, it's a lot of times for somebody that has kids and they need to be home or wanna be semi-retired. But the fact that you can still make $1,200 a week. Or every loop. Okay, every loop. That's um, pretty. It's an attractive job. Yes. And it's, it's why we limit what we hire on it. Um, theoretically, I could open the doors and probably bring in 20, 30 people next mm -hmm. week for that. That would not be fair. It would not be fair to the customer. It wouldn't be fair to the driver. So that gets into the other part. We're very careful to match up the driver count that we have with the freight that we have. And given the current environment of what freight's doing in our industry, that becomes very important here. Most companies that have open trucks will just keep on putting the pedal to the metal and keep on hiring. We are very careful about making sure that if you're going into a job, we're going to be able to support that. Okay, cool. When we come back, we're gonna talk about basically what kind of driver MVT is looking for. 
So thanks for coming back to us. What I want to talk about is what are you looking for in a driver? What is your ideal driver? What is your A, B, and C? Yeah. So as a recruiter, that's what we always say. What is your A company? What is your B company? What is your C company? What is your ABC driver? Yeah, uh, the biggest thing is communication. Okay. Talk to us. Um, I'd much rather us be accused of over-communicating <laughs> than the opposite direction of that. Right. And so if there's something at the customer that you see that's a concern, talk to us. If there's something on a lane that, look, we live in a glass house. We're, we understand as much as we can look through technology through the truck, we don't know what it's like to be in the driver's shoes. Right. That driver communicating that to us becomes really pivotal for our success. Um, driver intel on the road is probably one of the leading indicators of are we winning or are we losing. Yeah. So that driver's ability to communicate good, bad, or indifferent to us becomes really important. That's the number one thing. The, number sec uh, the second thing that we look for a driver is do you live up to who you are? Just like we need to live up to your expectations, mm -hmm. do you live up to our expectations? And so in a world where freight is down and it's extremely competitive for freight right now, which we go through these cycles in this industry, we are literally going to survive based off of our ability to serve our customer base. If you're an asset to that, I want to work with you and I want you to be my coworker and we're going to go full bore into this thing together. If that's something that you go, you know, I'm not feeling it today. I might show up. I might not show up. Mm -hmm. You've taken away your value proposition as a truck driver. Your value proposition is the predictability of you doing your job. Uh, that's something we try to avoid. And just like every other driver, you're relying on the other driver that you're a coworker with. So you could be the world's best driver, but if the guy next to you is not, you're going to pay the consequence for that. Uh, the third part of that, or the C as you put it, really comes down to living in the right location. So I can't necessarily hire somebody that lives in Pocatello, Idaho. Not really <laughs> an advantage to me. No. But on the flip side, if you live in a market like El Paso, Dallas-Fort Worth, mm -hmm. Houston, Albuquerque, Nashville, Memphis, Jacksonville, these are markets that are very advantageous to us where I have freight opportunities. And you live in a spot that literally, we got a customer right outside your door. Okay. So what is your absolutely no, and I'm not trying to get in a uh, 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 gray area with yeah. you, but what is your no? I, Camille, Rig on Wheels, do not send us this driver. Yeah. Um, I, I always will point out, and I'll, I'll, I'm not beating around the bush or being vague, um, but I'll start, out by, well, I'll start out <laughs> by saying that um, we do look at it at a case-by-case -case basis. Okay. So when somebody applies to us specifically, um, in the world of trucking, we get in the habit of thinking infinity. We've got to keep on hiring to infinity. Mm -hmm. Most of my trucks are filled, and they will be for the foreseeable future. So if I only have one opening and I have eight people apply, there's seven people that are going to go away with a frowny face, and there's one person that we're going to hire based off who has the best work background and, and experience that we can see on, on their application, as well as interacting in the direct conversations with that. So there's always that caveat to that. To be more specific on that, though, um, if you have a track record where you have multiple truck abandonments and, and multiple late deliveries and we get two, three of those, we're probably not a good fit for each other. Because right. mm -hmm. again, the other drivers depend on me hiring the right person to be successful. Um, the other part of that equation is, look, if, if you um, say, I want to do this division, but I can't do this, this, and this, and I'm not going to. The division doesn't work like that. The reason I'm able to set up those steady lanes for you like that is because point A leads to point B to point C to point D. Now, I always will point out, though, we don't go to New York City, so I'm not asking you to go to the five boroughs. Absolutely. Most of our lanes, everything I tell you on the phone, I'm willing to put in writing. So we do what's called a conditional offer letter. So if, if there's a lane and you want to understand the job that you're getting into, most carriers do not do a conditional offer letter or some version of it until you've already completed class. That's true. Before you ever show up to class, I will literally, everything I tell you, including the lanes you're going to run, the customers you're going to see, will be put in writing. So when you get to orientation, we've already had the awkward conversation. Um, that's an advantage and why, unlike at a lot of carriers where you'll see half the class magically disappear throughout orientation, that's more of a handful in our case because we're going to have that conversation in advance. And I can definitely attest to that due to the fact that we recruit for quite a few different companies. It's very rare that a driver 
in the MGT orientation leaves or is asked to leave yep. or removed physically. Because yep. we've had that before. Not at MGT, but we've had it where a driver had to be physically removed. So, you know, something I wanted to talk about, and I just thought about this. So we call you Pearson because it's only like 17 million robbers There's a whole at lot of MGT. Robbers. But... Our direct uh, recruiter there is Robert Ramirez. Yep. And there are times that he has to do around Robin where they actually go to orientation yeah. and talk to the drivers. I think that that is awesome. It allows the drivers to see a face yep. and the actual recruiter and explain things and any questions that they have because a lot of times that is what happens. Drivers have questions, and it could be very small, yep. and that's where – they end up going somewhere else is in that orientation those two to three days the drivers have questions they're not being answered so tell me why you all decided to do that i think it's great but why did you do it well here's the thing um i think there's a issue in our industry where a company you will have employees and you will have drivers mm -hmm. and that separation permeates throughout the company um, when you go into your employer you shouldn't talk through to your fleet manager through bulletproof glass. <laughs> um, I'm not going to name carriers. Right. Um, when you go to orientation, your dispatcher should shake your hand if physically possible, understanding that they may be in a different part of the country or something mm -hmm. like that. You should have that opportunity to meet the person that you both have a financial interest in each other succeeding. You should talk face to face. Yes. Um, there's a huge advantage of not having that separation between employee and driver that needs to be one. And so that starts with that orientation. We want that to take place. Um, I also think that it establishes a good sense of camaraderie and obligation. So if you and I never met face to face mm -hmm. and we talked on the phone every other week, there wouldn't be a lot of obligation there. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you'd be a vendor and I'd be a carrier. Um, but that advantage of physically sitting down and, and, pardon the pun, but breaking bread together creates an obligation. It's unspoken. It's not necessarily contractual. But you feel obligated to somebody that you're going to need to face the next week. Um, and that is a huge advantage for us. It helps with a turnover perspective. It helps from a productivity perspective. And things don't get lost in translation when you're physically looking at the person you're going to be working with. That's great. What other departments? I like what other departments will come around and speak to the drivers because recruiting, we do a lot. I feel like we do yep. everything because I'm in recruiting, right? Yeah. So I think we're the best thing ever. But what other departments do come and talk to the drivers or it's, it's call them be, on the phone sometimes? Yeah, it's going to be everybody from our safety department, risk management team, to it could be Rolling Strong and our fitness person, depending on their interests. Um, we don't want to be a stranger. Right. Okay. Uh, additionally, one of the things that we do that's kind of unique to, to create that camaraderie is um, in this industry, it's about September that we celebrate once a year driver appreciation. Mm -hmm. And it's great that we do that. Um, we don't limit it to one day a week or one week a year. Generally, the reason we do quarterly, quarterly uh, driver appreciation days, you may be on the road and not able to physically come in that specific week in September on that specific day. Mm -hmm. So the reason that we do that in Denver, El Paso, Laredo, and Nashville every single quarter is because we want that chance to happen. Um, Royal Jones is physically at the driver appreciation. There's numerous people that go off-site to every terminal to make sure there's coverage on that. We want that opportunity. So when that comes up once a quarter, I've been in Nashville, Denver, Laredo, I want that chance. So if I didn't meet you in orientation, I still want that opportunity to. Um, in particular, I, I want us from a recruiting standpoint to be held accountable too. Um, so if there was something mm -hmm. about the job and you've been with us for six months, but there's something about the job that's been eating at you because it's not what was described to you, I want to know about that. Because if, if we can't make your experience good on the onboarding phase, I can at least take your advice and make it better for the next guy that comes around. So what ongoing support do you give the drivers? Because I know um, generally the requirements start at six months. Yeah. Right? So we know that a six-month driver is going to need a different support than the 24-month, than the five-year, and going on. Yeah. So what ongoing support? I know it doesn't have to be an everyday thing. Yeah. Or does every driver want that? 
But what ongoing support do you have? Well, for it's, it's going to be customized to the driver because okay. there's a lot of things that can influence what a driver needs versus another driver. Um, so from a technology standpoint, you know, we have in-cab communications. Some people pick that up like that. Mm -hmm. Other people, not so much. So there's uh, always a handful of folks that at the completion of orientation didn't quite get it. We keep the orientation going just for them so that they can have that chance to get the in-cab communications. Once they leave our premises, if it's fuel economy, the fleet manager will work with them, the safety department may work with them. They may have a representative with Penske that's on the phone with them trying to mm -hmm. work through whatever problem that it is. As I said, on the phys physical fitness side, it may be rolling strong. Every driver, and this is the thing, I don't care if you're in the same division, if you have the same experience level, you have to have a customized fit. Mm -hmm. That's where we get into that not having that separation is you really have to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship. So in a world where a fleet manager could have as many as 80 drivers on their board, mm -hmm. we have a couple divisions where that would be plausible, but most of the time you see we're at about half that, at about 40 drivers on a fleet manager's board. And it depends on the division. So we have divisions where you may make two deliveries in the day. We have other divisions, you may make a delivery every three days. And so we really try to customize that to what your needs are going to be. Um, and it sounds like a little thing, and I don't want to overcomplicate it with fleet manager to driver ratios, but the key is, is we have to customize it for every single driver, because not two drivers are alike. Right. And they may not be a good driver and a bad driver, they're just different. And so we have to customize that relationship. Glad you said support. So one, I'm really big on DEI, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yep. I'm really huge on that. I don't like it as a tagline. I like a company that actually does that. Yeah. So one of the things that I've recognized with NVT is you're open to drivers that speak Spanish. Yes. Spanish-speaking drivers. Out of the 50 that we have, you're the only one that 100% is okay with that. And then we might have another one that says, we can take them in this area or something like that. Yeah. So why? Uh, the key caveat, and I'll always point this out, is in order to drive in the U.S., you have to read, write, and be able to comprehend English. Right. And that's the advantage of the first recruiting calls. I really don't need to ask you a qualifying question. If you can conduct that first call mm -hmm. in detail in English, we're good. Most of my recruiters are fluent in Spanish. Yes. Some in Lithuanian and a couple other languages, but most <laughs> are fluent in Spanish. Um, the other part of that equation, though, is, look, we're based in El Paso, Texas. Um, most people, I would say, in El Paso are probably bilingual to some extent uh, or speak what's most commonly described as Spanglish. Right. Um, with that said, that, yeah, that ability <laughs> yeah. to speak it, it becomes very important. Mm -hmm. And if, if your native tongue or the language you're most comfortable with is Spanish, if you can meet the DOT requirements, we will have a fleet manager that speaks Spanish. Uh, it would be very diff, I'm not saying impossible, but it would be a difficult position to be a dispatcher slash fleet manager in El Paso and not speak Spanish. No, but that's great. That yeah. is probably one of the main reasons why a lot of the other carriers are not as open to it because they don't have the support in house yeah. to be able to help a driver. But I think that's, that's important. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, that diversity makes our company stronger. Yes. Um, I'm a big believer, and I, I think I speak for the company on this, is the more ideas and concepts and views that you have, the better off you're going to be as a company. Uh, and I don't think that's just in trucking. I think that's a lot of yes. company. All the way, if you have a company that has more than one person, you kind of need that. I have biases, you have biases. And so if you can complement yourself with people around you that think differently, a lot of times you're able to solve a problem more effectively. Um, if you look at our driver base, if you look at our company as a whole, we are extremely diverse. Mm -hmm. and, and when we say diversity, most people think race, but I look at that as age, I look at that as ideas, life experiences. Um, that diversity is probably one of our strong suits on our fleet. Um, it's probably why we have no CSA categories above threshold from a metric standpoint. It's why we honestly are in a pretty diversified list of customers because we're represented by those yeah. folks standing in front of their guard shack at a, at a warehouse someplace or a shipping facility. And it's really why if you look and say, hey, picture in your head the stereotypical MVT driver, you can't because it technically can fit into a lot of different buckets. Okay, when we come back, I am definitely going to 
tap back into that and we're going to go to our next commercial. So, Pearson, you said something, and I wrote it down, um, and I wanted to dive back into it. Diversity makes every company stronger. Yeah. You know, because it's not just based on race. It's your background, education, age, all of that type of stuff. So, do you, does, does MVT have anybody that come in talking about it, help? Because, like you said, we all have biases. Yeah. It can be age, everything. You know, what I, I can feel a certain type of way because my kids range from the age of 23 all the way down to 17, right? So I might have a bias when it comes to young people, good and bad, yeah. all at the same time. So what do you have to support your staff when it comes to? Yeah, so there, there's a couple things that come to mind right off the top of my head. Part of the nice thing about being with Mesilla Valley Transportation is you better be okay with diversity. Mm -hmm. It's a hard company to survive that if you're not. Um, and I, what I mean by that is we really have people from all walks of life. Um, obviously, because of terminal locations, you'll see a bit of a different makeup from El Paso compared to Nashville, as an example. Um, but with that said, we have a very diversified employee base. And it could be nationality, it could be age, it could be religious belief, it could be a number of different factors. Um, you know, we, we have, if you look at our driver base, um, last year in October, we brought on 30 individuals from uh, the country of Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. um, great guys, extremely safe drivers, and uh, loving what they do, and I, and I get to talk to a handful of them on a weekly basis. Um, and then we have, you know, Bill Smith that we hired from Dallas this past week. Um, being able to support those people requires a unique one-on-one -on -one relationship with those people because they are going to have very different needs and wants in their in their career path. So the industry, as well as our company, kind of forces that to happen. Mm -hmm. The second part of that equation, um, we do something which is called a, a personality index, and I'm, I'm really thankful for this thing. So if, if you looked at my personality index, and it might not surprise you, <laughs> um, I'm b what they'd call a maverick. I'm really high extroversion. I'm high dominance. Not really big on detail. I just want to go and mm -hmm. get moving on that. Uh, from a management standpoint, that helps me manage people. So when I talk to a recruiter, I'll tend to be pretty direct in my conversation. I want A, B, C, and let's move forward. If I talk to a processor, an administrative person, I have to adapt more than they have to adapt to me. Right. Um, and so I'm probably going to have more of a conversation where I physically sit down in an environment like this and go, hey, we're making some changes. This is why we're making it, but I'd like your feedback. And it sounds like a little thing, but it's not. From a management standpoint, I don't care if you're a fleet manager, if you're a VP of recruiting, if you're, <coughs> if you're a driver. Your ability to adapt to the people around you and take their feedback, their criticisms, mm -hmm. their compliments, and have that diet conversation understanding, I'm gonna need to work with you a week from now. Um, that mindset and that perception of how you manage situations and people makes a huge difference in people enjoying their work experience. Uh, and I know in trucking, we get into this mindset of I got driver one, two, three here and he's moving a load from point A to point B. But if you go, Camille's moving a load for me and, and you know, Camille, sometimes she's gonna wanna know why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a little thing, but that makes for a much more enjoyable work experience both on both of our ends in that scenario. Definitely, and understand their cultural communication because everybody is going to be different. But I, I d you said that in one of our quarterly meetings about the difference of how you can talk to Ramirez because he's in recruiting yep. versus somebody in processing. And that's, I'll be in the Rig on Wheels meeting 
and we're in our sales recruiting meetings, I'm very much Camille, very much intense, and everybody is happy about it. It's just yep. the way I communicate. I have to take a step back before I go into another meeting with the other side of Rig on Wheels because they don't communicate like that and it's gonna just seem very harsh. Yep. So it's different. I have to bring down my tone. I have to look at them differently and then communicate. So I, I agree with that. Well, it, it's, it's interesting because it will help you in other parts of your life too. And I've carried it over to other parts of my life. But I generally will tell anybody is if, if you're stressed, mm -hmm. if things are going wrong for you, how can you get the most out of the person you're talking to? So if it's, yeah. a, if it's a driver on the road and they're talking to their fleet manager and it's Friday at 5.30 p.m., that deep breath can calm the situation. And on the fleet manager side, understanding that driver's perspective, they've been on the road, they've been delayed, something's happened. If those two people in that relationship can understand each other, it will help a bad situation, which in trucking will happen. Mm -hmm. It will improve it much more rapidly than that butting ahead. I agree with that. So what I wanted to do is kind of let everybody know if they are wanting to work with MVT or any other companies that we might have, definitely the link, the 10th Street application link is below. Uh, you can just give us a call at 281-968-3100 and we'll definitely answer the phone, get you going. Well, Thank you so much, Robert, or Pearson, I say. It sounds so strange to say Robert. But we're <laughs> going to be doing this every Tuesday, going over everything, going over the lanes, um, getting more questions from the drivers. So definitely appreciate you. I'm excited about it and looking forward to the next several weeks here and uh, looking forward to getting some participation from folks. I, I love some good Q&A. Yes, definitely. Next time we're going to have much more Q&A. Yeah. <laughs>